Hello, my friend. It is me. Hi, Bill. It's Ingrid. But fear itself. I just want to let you know I am so very, very happy. That is a question. That you have brought the altruism of the night back. Fear will always be on our minds, whether we embrace it. And that you have made the night. Run from it. Much sweeter. Or conquer it. Or be destroyed by it. It is midnight in my soul. It makes me wonder. It claims me. I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Have a beautifully dark, For being yet peaceful night. My night. Um, Good night. Dragon Slayer Audio. Good evening. This is Bill O'Bears Jr. Welcome to the Moonlit Library. Say, before you come inside tonight, would you do your old library keeper a favor? Hmm? Would you leave those heavy things you've been carrying around all day? Would you leave them outside? You drop them there. Good, there by the flying buttresses. Don't worry. They'll still be there in the morning. The gargoyles will make sure of that. There. Better? Good. It's best to travel light after dark, I always think. Now, unburdened, cross with me the threshold of time and be among friends, my friend. You honor us tonight, all of us, with your presence. Come inside. There's no wine tonight. You'll understand why in a moment. But there's bread. I'll bet you smelled that coming across the ridge. Here. Why don't you settle into this rather massive oak chair? It's more like a throne. I swear this place was made for giants. Here. Now pull up to the great long table right here in the center of the library. <sighs> nice view, huh? <laughs> I have no complaints. I've loved this place since I dreamed it. God, I hope I never wake up. Now, throw your head back and look up, straight up to the ribbed vault, the peeling frescoes there around the center. Now let your eyes fall down along the great stone wall down past the two and a half stories of scrolls and folios and parchment and books. See every shelf. See it all. Now look down, straight down. See how the moonlight from the great east wall window plays on that ancient Abade carpet right beneath your feet. 
Feel it with your toes. God, how could it still be so plush after all these centuries? It's a miracle, that's all. All is miracle. And just for now, just for tonight, my friend, let that be enough. Pardon my manners. I'm blathering. Here, have some bread before it gets cold. No one likes a dish served. Well, well, our story tonight is cold enough. So eat while it's warm. And then for a just dessert, we'll have a slice of Poe. When I was a boy, tonight's story amused me. Now, well, it terrifies me. I thought it was a joke. And now I know that it is a mirror. A terrible burden, the command to do no harm one to another. It is abnormal. It is beyond human strength. So says Dostoevsky. Of all the animals, man is the only cruel animal, the only one that inflicts pain just for the pleasure of doing it. The cat plays with the mouse, yes, but the cat does not know that the mouse is suffering. We know. So says Twain. What say you? For that is our main course this evening. Revenge. Vengeance. The bread of angels is forgiveness. But the bread of man is revenge. You know, in the ancient classical world, a common reply to the question, How are you? was, Non molle. Not bad. Not male. The root of malicious, malignant, malevolent. The root of all evil. How are you? Hmm? Not evil. <laughs> and isn't that probably the best account any of us can give of ourselves at the last day? All right, set your plate aside. Close your tabs, dim your lights, and strip off your illusions. Lie down, feel your bones, and I'll read to you for a while, just till you're drowsy. From Edgar Allan Poe's Intoxicated, Intoxicating, the cask of Amontillado. I'm sure you won't mind if I light a torch for better illumination. Hmm? The thousand injuries of Fortunato I had borne as best I could, but when he ventured upon insult, 
I vowed revenge. But you, who so well know the nature of my soul, will not suppose that I gave utterance to a threat. No, at length I would be avenged. That was a point definitively settled, but the very definitiveness with which it was resolved precluded the idea of risk. I must not only punish, I must punish with impunity. A wrong is unredressed when retribution overtakes its redresser. It is equally unredressed when the avenger fails to make himself known to he who has done the wrong. It must be understood that neither by word nor deed had I given Fortunato cause to doubt my good will. I continued, as was my wont, to smile in his face. He did not perceive that my smile now was at the thought of his immolation. He had a weakness. He prided himself on his connoisseurship of wine. In this I did not differ materially from him myself, though I was skilled in the Italian vintages. I had used to buy largely when I could. It was about dusk one evening, during the supreme madness of the carnival season, that I encountered my friend. He accosted me with excessive warmth, for he had been drinking much. <laughs> the man wore motley. He had on a bright party-striped jester's dress, his head surmounted by the conical cap and bells. <laughs> I was so pleased to see him, I thought I should never have done wringing his hand. My dear Fortunato, I said, you are luckily met. How remarkably well you were looking this evening. But I, I have received a cask of what passes for a Montiato, and I have my doubts. What, said he, a Montiato, a cask, impossible. In the middle of the carnival? <laughs> I have my doubts, I said, and I am afraid I was foolish enough to pay the full Amontillado price without consulting you in the matter. You were not to be found, and I was fearful of losing a bargain. Amontillado. Yes, I, I have my doubts. Amontillado. And, and I must satisfy them. Now, as you are engaged, I am on my way to Lucreci. If anyone has a critical turn, it is Lucreci. Lucreci? Lucreci cannot tell Amontillado from Sherry. And yet, some fools will have it that his taste is a match for your own. Come, let us go. What? Whither? To your vaults? My friend, no. No, I, I will not impose upon your goodwill. I perceive that you have an engagement. And, and Lucreci, I have no engagement. Let us go. My friend, no. It is not the engagement, but rather the severe cold with which I perceive you are afflicted. Look, my vaults are in poor repair. They are insufferably damp and encrusted with nitre. Nevertheless, let us go. Amontillado, <laughs> you have been imposed upon. And as for Lucreci, he cannot distinguish Sherry from Amontillado. And thus speaking... <laughs> He possessed himself of my arm, and putting on a silk mask, drawing a cape tightly about my person, I suffered him to hurry me to my palazzo. The house was empty. 
I took from their sconces two torches, and giving one to Fortunato, I bowed him through my modest rooms to the archway that led to the vaults. I passed down a long and winding staircase, requesting him to be cautious as he followed. At length we came to the foot of the descent, and stood together upon the damp grounds of the catacombs of the Montresses. My friend's gait was unsteady. The bells on his cap jingled as he walked. "'The cask?' he said. "'Oh, it is further on. But observe the white webwork which gleams from these cavern walls.' <coughs> he said. "'Nitre?' "'Yes.' "'Nitre,' I replied. How, "'How long have you had that cough?' <coughs> My poor friend was unable to reply for many minutes. <laughs> it is nothing, he said at last. Come, I said with decision. We will go back. Hmm? Your health is precious. You are rich, respected, admired, beloved. You are happy, as I once was. You are a man to be missed. For me it is no matter. Come, we will go back. You will be ill, and I cannot be responsible. Besides, there is Lucretia. Enough, he said. The cough is a mere nothing. It will not kill me. I shall not die of a cough. True, I said. But you should use all proper caution, my friend. A draught of this medoc will defend us from the damps. Drink. I handed him the bottle. He lifted it to his lips with a leer. I drink he said, to the buried that repose around us, and I to your long life. Cheers. These vaults, he said, are extensive. Yes, I said. The Montresses were a great and numerous family once. I forget your family coat of arms. Ah, a huge human foot in a field of blue. The foot crushes the head of a serpent whose fangs are embedded in the heel. <laughs> and the motto? Oh. Nemo me impune lacessit. No one provokes me with immunity. <laughs> he said, good, good. The wine sparkled in his eyes, and the bells jingled. My own fancy grew warm with the medoc. We had passed through long walls of piled skeletons with cask intermingling into the innermost recesses of the catacombs. I paused again, and this time I made bold to seize Fortunato by an arm above the elbow. Look, the, the mold, I said, you see, it increases. It hangs like moss upon the vault. The drops of moisture trickle among the bones. Come, we will go back ere it is too late. Your cough. <laughs> it is nothing, he said. Let us go on. But first, another draught of that Madoc. He emptied it at a breath. His eyes flashed with a fierce light. He laughed and threw the bottle upwards with a gesticulation I did not understand. I, I looked at him in surprise. He repeated the motion. A grotesque one. <laughs> you do not understand, he said. Not I. 
Then you are not of the Brotherhood. Huh? You are not of the Masons. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> Impossible. You, a Mason? A sign, sir, a sign. It is this, I answered, and I produced from beneath the folds of my cape a trowel. <laughs> you jest, he said, recoiling a few paces. But let us proceed to the Amontillado. Be it so, I answered, and offered him my arm. He leaned upon it heavily. We continued our route to the Amontillado. We passed through a range of low arches, descended, passed on, descended again, arrived finally at a deep crypt in which the foulness of the air caused our torches to glow rather than flame. At the remote end of this crypt there appeared another, less spacious. Its walls had been lined with human remains, piled to the vault overhead, in the fashion of the great catacombs of Paris. Three sides of this interior crypt were still ornamented in this manner, and from the fourth side the bones had been thrown down, and lay promiscuously upon the earth. Within the wall thus exposed by the displacing of the bones, we perceived a still interior crypt, in depth four feet, in width three, in height six or seven. It appeared to have been constructed for no special use of its own, but formed merely the intersection of two of the colossal supports of the roof of the catacombs, and was backed by one of its circumscribing walls of solid granite. It was in vain that Fortunato, uplifting his dull torch, endeavored to pry into the depths of this recess. Its termination, the feeble light, did not enable us to see. Proceed, I said, here, herein lies the Amontillado. And as for Lucreci, he is an ignoramus, interrupted my friend as he stepped unsteadily forward while I followed immediately at his heels. In an instant he had reached the extremity of the rock. Finding his progress arrested, he stood stupidly bewildered. A moment more, and I had fettered him to the granite. In its surface were two iron staples, distant from each other about two feet horizontally, throwing the chain around his waist. It was but the work of a few seconds to secure it. He was too much astounded to resist. Withdrawing the key from the lock, I stepped back from the recess. Pass your hand, I said, over the wall. You cannot help but feel the mold. It is indeed very damp. Once more, let me implore you to return. No? Then I must positively leave you. But first I must render you all the little attentions in my power. The Amontillado. True, the Amontillado. As I said these words, I busied myself among the pile of bones. Throwing them aside, I uncovered a quantity of building stone and mortar. With these materials, and with the aid of my trowel, I began vigorously to wall up the entrance of the niche, I had scarcely laid the first tier of the masonry when I noticed that the intoxication of Fortunado had in large measure worn off. The first indication I had of this was a low, moaning cry from the depth of the recess. It was not the cry of a drunken man. 
There was then a long and obstinate silence. I laid the second tier, and the third, and the fourth, and then I heard the furious vibration of the chain. The noise lasted for several minutes, during which, that I might hearken to it with more satisfaction, I ceased my labors and sat down upon the bones. When at last the clanking subsided, I resumed my trowel and finished without interruption the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh tier. The wall was now nearly upon a level with my breast. I again paused, and holding my torch over the mason work, cast a few feeble rays upon the figure within. A succession of loud and shrill screams bursting suddenly from the throat of the chained form seemed to thrust me violently back. For a brief moment I hesitated. I trembled, but the thought of an instant reassured me. I placed my hand upon the solid fabric of the catacombs and felt satisfied. I reapproached the wall. I replied to the yells of him who clamored. I re-echoed. I aided. I surpassed them in volume and strength. I did this. And the clamorer grew still. It was now midnight. My task was drawing to a close. I had completed the eighth, the ninth, and the tenth tiers, and had finished a portion of the last and the eleventh. There remained but a single stone to be fitted into place. I struggled with its weight. I placed it partially in its destined position. But now there came from out of the niche a low laugh that directed the hairs upon my head. <laughs> A very good joke indeed. <laughs> An excellent chest. We, we will have many a rich laugh over it at the palazzo. <laughs> over our wine. <laughs> the Amontillado. <laughs> yes, the Amontillado, yes. <laughs> But, but is it not getting late? Hmm? Will they not be awaiting us at the Palazzo, the Lady Fortunato and the rest? <laughs> Let us be gone. Yes, I said. Let us be gone. <laughs> for the love of God, Montressor. For the love of God. Yes. For the love of God. But to these words I hearkened in vain for a reply. I grew impatient. I called aloud. Fortunato. No reply. I called again. Fortunato. No answer still. I thrust a torch through the remaining aperture and let it fall within. There came forth in return only a jingling of the bells. My heart grew sick. It was the dampness of the catacombs that made it so. I hastened to make an end to my labor. I forced the last stone into its position. I plastered it up. 
and against the new masonry I re-erected the old rampart of bones for the half of a century. No mortal has disturbed them. In pace requiescat. So, could you do it? Slide the last stone into place? Seal up the grave? Walk away? Could you do it? Are you sure of your answer? No, me neither. Me neither. A terrible burden, the command to do no harm one to another. It is abnormal. It is beyond human strength. How are we? Non male. I don't know about you, but I'll need a lot of wine if I'm going to choke down that lie. You can leave a response in your own voice to this or to any episode of Gothic Goodnight. Just go to speakpipe.com slash Bill Obers Jr. That's speakpipe.com slash Bill Oberst Jr. You heard voice messages from Ingrid and Steph at the top of the show. I thank them. And I ask you, where's yours? <laughs> it's free. And your weird family is dying to hear from you. Time for bed now. You'll sleep well tonight. You'll sleep well tonight because you are disillusioned. Isn't it funny how light hides what darkness discloses? Truth is better than melatonin. Thank you for visiting tonight. You've been a benediction. I appreciate you. I think I can rest now, too. For now, the books are all back on the shelves. The moon embraces its dark side. And the torch burns low. The last light of all falling down, down, down the stone walls of this ancient sacred place and in dying bequeaths its light to you, lying there in your place of rest. An old library keeper in an old library on the edge of a forest, on the edge of a precipice, 
on the edge of the world wishes you sweet dreams. Sleep well. Love mercy. Non male. And remember, it's always midnight somewhere and in someone's soul. Good night.